Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the show. Just the three of us today. See, this is really really what I wanted. We got Pastor Jonathan, Pastor Paul. We've gotten rid of everybody else from the room. And and this way, you can ask the question and And, answer it both. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's what we'll do. Um, So yesterday, we just kind of barely started talking about this idea of um, national covenants. And look, there might not be perfect agreement on this within reform circles, but generally speaking, there's like this idea of a a national covenant where it's formally entered into, where you see John Winthrop and the Puritans do that with early America. Um, But what I'm arguing, and what I think our founding fathers argued, is that there's a general sense in which every covenant just is in a relationship with God where they're not free in one sense, every God. person, every nation is in a covenant with God. Right. Absolutely. I mean, on an individual level, as we argued yesterday, everybody is under the covenant of works. Mm-hmm. Um, what I what I would additionally argue is what our founding fathers argued from Proverbs fourteen thirty four that righteousness exalts a nation. Mm-hmm. And sin is a reproach to any people. So as a people group, because that's what the word that's what nation the verse is. says, nation, yeah. as a people group, if that people group is uh basically righteous in its moral character, then God then they will be exalted. Well, who's doing the exalting? God is doing the exalting. He's attached blessing to his law and he's attached cursing to his law. It's not working on automatic processes. God is actually doing the exalting and then sin is a reproach to any people. So if this people is given over to sin, God is making them a reproach. I think perhaps one of the things that um, might be an objection, a good objection in people's minds is, well, wait a minute. We see countries that are wicked, but yet are prospering in some measure. Um, why is that if this is the case? Well, I think there's there's not a, as, as my brother Josh said, there's not a mechanistic tie. Um, God can give mercy um, and or uh, dole out judgment upon a nation according to his good pleasure. So we see this throughout the scriptures that he often withholds his judgment for a season. He delays giving that country what they deserve, uh, just like he does with individuals. And so this can be true that countries are just in a national covenant without seeing a mechanistic tie because God is patient and long-suffering and oftentimes will delay those judgments. He is patient, and that's the thing that we see uh, throughout Scripture. With regard to the nations, you know, I mean, there are nations that don't exist anymore that mm-hmm. you know we read about when we read through the bible they don't exist in- anymore yeah. um because his patience has a limit i mean he he you know we're told that the 
iniquity of the Amorites was full, and therefore, you know, and th- and that meant that God had dealt with them for over four hundred years. Yeah. You know, Babylon, as it was, you know, had co- and that iniquity eventually becomes full. Mm-hmm. You know, the Philistines. The, you know, you can you can go through a number of different. Uh, this makes sense nations. of so many scriptures in the Old Testament because, like, you, you get to places like Jeremiah or uh, Isaiah. And you see judgment against Moab, judgment against Philistia, judgment against Assyria. And you're like, why is God dealing with nations outside of Israel? When I think that this, because should, he's the Lord. this should give us pause to think that um, our nation or any other nation uh, has some sort of eternal existence or significance. It's yeah. it's. God calls out of the nations his people. Yep. So uh, circling back, Paul, to kind of that objection that you raised um, I, I want to read, so this is from uh, One Holy and Happy Society, the public theology of Jonathan Edwards. Um, basically, the question is being asked, well, if a nation kind of violated God's covenant, then what would what would that look like? Like, what would the consequences be for that nation? And this is what the author says. He says, uh, removal of the covenant would come by either physical or religious removal from the sources of of revelation, the means of the covenant. That is, a people may be carried off into captivity and separated from the means of the covenant and thus lose their religious heritage, or they may be destroyed as to their religious state by being given over to gross darkness and delusion, such as the darkness of popery. In each case, there are still two more possibilities. Each deprivation may be either total or partial. That is, all the people may be lost from the covenant, as were Sodom and Gomorrah, or a small remnant may remain within the covenant, as Benjamin and Judah remained after the destruction of the ten northern tribes of Israel. So, when we're looking at covenant curses, um, I think it's a caricature to say a caricature to say, "Oh, it must be complete and utter desecration." So, take just for instance China today. Um, I don't think. We could say that China is walking with the Lord and and obeying the Lord, obeying the Lord's law on a number of different levels. In the main. In the main. And yet, they're this very seemingly prosperous, massive country. Well, is there any kind of judgment that we see falling on the nation? Yes, there is. So their one-child policy that they had for decades has now resulted in a generation of men having no women as their mates. That is a, a type of, of curse that's attached to God's law. And I would say the same thing is well, happening in America, right? Yeah, there's consequences to breaking God's law, Right. period. Right, absolutely. Um, and and the point is, is that nobody's free from that, not, not individuals and not countries. You mean I can't opt out? Well, I th- you know, I think even, you know, Jonathan Edwards uh, understood that um, – Virtue itself was something that uh, was removed from politics, you know, because um, virtue is a matter of the soul and not of a political institution. You know, he would agree with Augustine and Calvin that expecting true virtue um, in the temporal realm, um, you know, from, you know, nations or people, you know, a group um, – would not be a, necessary, a prospect that he could look forward to except because of the depravity of man and the original sin. In fact, I think that uh, the Founding Fathers understood uh, understood total depravity in this sense. You know, that's why they ha- we have these 
uh, three branches of government that we're supposed to uh, balance one another out um, because we understand uh, sin and and that all human beings are inclined toward evil continually. And so virtue has to come from individuals, and individuals can in some way inform um a nation. Yeah. Well, nations way, are made up of individuals, they're right? They're made up of individuals. And out of that out of that mass of individuals, that's why God can raise up um, a people for himself, a nation for himself. Yeah. Yeah. I would just say, you know, maybe some of you are, are struggling with this idea. Um, but I would say I think it's actually in the evangelical consciousness. I mean, for years, evangelicals have been saying things like, oh, God's going to judge this nation for abortion and God's going to judge this nation for lack of mercy or any number of other things. Well, question, on, on what basis would God judge a nation? On what basis? Well, there must be some stipulation or some condition that they're not meeting. I mean, God is not arbitrary in the way that he judges. He judges based on his perfect law of righteousness. When you say that God is judging a nation, you mean that they had a prior obligation to obey him as a people group. Very interesting. um, There's lots of places I want to go right now, but very interesting. In Psalm chapter two. So Mm -hmm. this is, you know, a famous Psalm where, where, the, the son of God is, is talked about as, as reigning and ruling from his throne. And the psalmist addresses the, the kings of the earth. In verse 10, it says, Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Now, real quick, let's just stop right there. When the psalmist is talking to the kings of the earth and the rulers of the earth, he's not talking just to the kings in Israel. He's talking to the kings all mm-hmm. over the world. So this is not a kind of just a sectarian, you know, closed off psalm. He's addressing every ruler on the face of the earth. And he says, this is what he says to them. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son. And then here's the threat. Lest he be angry and you perish in the way. Mm-hmm. Now he doesn't say, lest you perish at the end of time, lest you perish on the day of judgment, as if somehow Jesus being Lord of Lords and King of Kings is like not involved with the world's affairs right now. He's saying that um, a lack of fidelity to, to God right now will lead to perishing in the course of history. Mm-hmm. I, think that's a, I think that's a powerful argument for what we've been saying. Don't you think? I believe so. Yeah. I, I believe so. You know, it's one of the reasons why we pray for uh, those in authority. Uh, we're, we're commanded to do that uh, so that, you know, we live peaceful and quiet lives. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, actually, um, before, before Russ, Ruff, uh, Russ left the studio today, he actually quoted that passage, and he made a couple connections that we were talking about. Live peaceful and quiet lives, or um, pray for those in authority. Why? So we can leave, live peaceful and quiet lives. Why? So that we have the ability to preach the gospel for God desires all men to be saved. And, and so just do the reverse, you know, do the converse of that. If our authorities are not, go ahead. Yeah, if, if God wants everybody to be saved, we have to have the ability to, we have to have those peaceful and quiet lives that we can witness at any time. Um, and, uh, and in order to do that, we're praying for our nation to give us, you know, so that there are 
we remove the barriers to spreading the gospel. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Well, I, I would just commend a really good book I've been reading lately. Um, it's called uh, Reading the Bible with the Founding Fathers by a guy named Daniel um, Dressbach. Um, he kind of basically bursts that bubble uh, of saying that all all of our founding fathers were just deists and all of them were were sons of the Enlightenment and none of them were really religious. Well, that's that's actually not true. Um, I'm not arguing that all of them were were evangelical Protestants. It's not my argument. Yeah. Um, but his argument is that that many of them, not just the pastors, but the founding fathers, had a biblical consciousness about them when they were founding the country. Mm-hmm. And they, um, in, in their writings, one of the main verses that they used was was something that we've already brought up, which is Proverbs fourteen thirty four. Um, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And so you have guys like Patrick Henry. Um, he said this, whether America's independence will prove a blessing or a curse will depend upon the use our people make of the blessings which a gracious God has bestowed upon us. And so basically their argument is that a, a nation's greatness or decline, their prosperity or distress is inseparable from that nation's conformity with God's moral standards as set forth in mm-hmm. the Bible. Um, I think that'd be difficult to argue against. I think you're I, – I, well, I can't add to that other than to agree with you that that's a difficult thing. When when people served – when people set out to serve and honor the Lord, uh, that is, you know, we see that effect um, that takes place within their family, whether we see it in all areas of life, yeah. and it would be true of uh, individuals in a nation as well. Yeah. Well, you have been listening to uh, The Gospel for Life. If you've missed any of these past broadcasts, we talked a few, sh- few shows ago about the conscience and on um, this idea of vaccine mandates. If you'd like to listen to any of those, just go subscribe to our podcast, The Gospel for Life. Uh, we appreciate you listening to us, and we will see you next time. 